I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 63. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Heckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Jason Scott is a mortgage broker with TMG. He's been a broker for eight years based out of Edmonton, Alberta. He's also the author of Approved Mortgage Advice for All Stages of Life. I love talking to authors. I'm stoked about this interview today. Jason, you ready to rock? I am. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Hey, no problem. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So this is uh, my eighth year as a mortgage broker. Uh, I'm still very much growing my uh, business and you know everything is a work in progress. Let's see, I have two little boys and uh, a lovely wife and uh, a dog. So I live a pretty boring uh, but awesome life. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Because no one ever starts out as a little kid saying, you know, I want to be a mortgage broker when I grow up. So what was your path? Uh, so my professional path is I went to university uh, for journalism in Toronto and I worked at uh, the Toronto Star as a student and then after university I went and worked at the uh, Winnipeg Sun Uh, so I have a a writing and reporting background and after a while I decided the photographers were clearly having more fun than I was and so I went back to school for photojournalism and uh, ended up in Edmonton because I was doing a uh, an internship at the Edmonton Journal and fully expected to uh, head back east after that summer. But uh, things turned out that uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she moved out here uh, and joined me. And we've been in Edmonton for 15 years. <clears throat> so I worked as a uh, freelance photographer for eight years. I had a business with two other uh, photographers and we would cover Edmonton and Northern Alberta for the rest of the world. So we would shoot for, you know, the Globe and Mail and uh, Canadian Press, the Edmonton Journal, New York Times, whoever needed uh, newspaper coverage, uh, photojournalism coverage in this part of the world. And it was a fun and glamorous uh job in the sense that, you know, we got to go to sporting events and political events and very exciting kind of stuff. The problem with it was uh, that the hours were terrible and the pay was worse. And so, <laughs> it's like the radio business. They also don't pay their people very well in the radio business either. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's a great gig when you're 22 and single and no real responsibility, right? And, you know, what happened was eventually we had a, uh, a child coming and I was like, uh-oh, you know, I need to make more money. How do I do that? Well, I started buying, uh, I got interested in rental properties and bought a couple of rental properties. And, uh, you know, was still doing the photography business. And um, essentially, I got sent to cover a forest fire in Tumblr Ridge, and I was gone at the drop of a hat. And uh, I came back three days later to uh, my wife, Catherine, standing in our kitchen, you know, trembling <laughs> in anger because I had been gone for so long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our son was screaming. Uh, he was just a little baby at the time. And, you know, it had been a bad day. Right. <laughs> so she basically said, you're done. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So it took me a couple of years to figure out what I was going to do next. You know, I I sort of was torn between financial advising and becoming a uh, mortgage broker. And ultimately, I chose mortgage brokering. Uh, You know, it just seemed more aligned with my interest in rental properties. And, uh, you know, frankly, I wasn't sure being a financial planner was really a winning proposition, right? You're either uh, not making the clients enough money in an up market or the market's down and and they're not happy with you because, you know, their investments are down. Mm -hmm. So, so my wife, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, my wife 
gets a uh, job at the university, which is an 18-month contract. And basically the same week, she finds out she's uh, pregnant again. And so that really was the impetus for me to make the switch. So uh, after our second son was born, I stayed home with him and started my mortgage practice. So you know, I, I would be holding him and, uh, you know, he'd be asleep against me or on my chest. And I'd be talking on the phone to clients and working on applications. And, uh, you know, if we got to go meet clients, I'd bundle them up and off we'd go in his little car seat. That's hilarious. Uh, Take him with you? Yeah, 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 totally. He was, uh, I referred to him as my uh, vice president of breaking the ice. He was really good for building rapport. Right. Show up with your baby and they're, uh, okay, can you sign here and hold my baby? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this guy's uh, next meal literally depends on this. Right. <laughs> so. you, you know, incidentally, I have read part. I haven't read all your book, but I did read some of it, and your writing's excellent. So I'm not surprised then that you tell me you have a j- background in journalism. So anybody listening, if you check out his book, uh, it's well written. So, so definitely something. Yeah, and it's good. You might as well use the skills you already have and bring them right into the mortgage business and just apply them. Right. So uh, we'll get. I want to come back to the book thing in a little bit. But so before we dive into your story, can you tell me about a success quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Uh, yeah, uh, mine's uh, based on a uh, an American marketing guru by the name of Dan Kennedy. And his quote is, you are not in the business you are in. You are in the business of marketing the business you are in. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I love Dan. So have you taken any of Dan Kennedy's courses or anything? Yeah, I have. You know, I don't have an entrepreneurial background. And so when I got into this industry, it was a massive learning curve. You know, even with the photography business, we weren't really, you know, going out and, and chasing sales because people were calling us. We were known in our industry. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it really was, you know, being completely green at it and going, geez, I need to leave. What a concept, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I need to market. Oh, okay. How do I do that? So, you know, I really have spent a lot of time and money and efforts just learning on how to do this sort of stuff. I guess, you know, a lot of People who have had previous businesses or gone to business school or whatever, you know, they know this stuff already. I had to sort of learn it as I went along. Mm-hmm. And if anybody listening, if they don't, have never heard of Dan Kennedy, he's, uh, I, maybe you can describe him as well. I would describe him as one of the best copywriters in, you know, in the business. How, how did you stumble into him? I came across him because I was talking to a real estate investor who I think, if I recall correctly, he was getting his uh, broker's license at the time. And he suggested that I check out Dan Kennedy's uh, No BS monthly marketing newsletter. And yeah, so I, you know, I've been on again, off again, uh, subscriber to his stuff. I'm not currently subscribed on anything. You know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, once you get the fundamentals, you can move on. Right. Yeah. But there's lots of great stuff in it. So um, this this quote that uh, Dan that you got from Dan. So how have you applied that in your business? So this idea of you're not actually in the mortgage business, you're in the marketing of mortgages business. So yeah, I mean, yeah, ultimately, without any leads or prospects, you're nowhere, right? So uh, if I was to give advice to anyone who's going through, you know, a quiet period is turn your attention to, uh, you know, marketing, however that uh, is for you, whether it's social media or direct marketing or just networking, etc. Everything that we do ultimately boils down to a marketing exercise. So you just have to keep at it. And obviously, as you you know get busier, it becomes more of a challenge to find the time to do the marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I think it's probably the only way to smooth out the peaks and valleys of, you know, the business flow. Right. And there's definitely that in our business. They sort of go in cycles. So yeah. uh, another thing I've noticed talking to successful entrepreneurs, mortgage brokers is that failure happens, but it's never fatal. And looking back, there's always a lesson. So can you share an example of something that you'd failed at? And then now that you look back, there was a lesson in it for you? Uh, yeah. And this comes back to marketing uh, as well. So uh, I was a, uh, with a company called Urban Mortgage uh, and we were running or I was running the uh, office in Edmonton and we did some radio advertising and you know ironically the only two deals we got out of that was on the very first day of the campaign so we got one deal and then the referral to that person's sister on mm-hmm. the very first day and then we went for three or four months with you know some leads but nothing ever converted mm-hmm. uh it was it was a costly adventure and um you know my personal take is if you're doing radio you better have really deep pockets to sustain it the lesson, I guess, is you got to be measuring your your results, and if something's not working, you got to immediately either adjust it or eliminate it and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I've I've had my own foray into radio, and uh, I did it for a year, and in the end, my, my the math worked out that I just basically broke even, but I didn't feel like that was enough for me to, to make it worth it because then I was essentially working for the radio station, but that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if we, if I remember the numbers correctly, it was something like $10,000 per sale on our mm-hmm. campaign. So, you know, it was atrocious. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely something you, you can, it can burn up a lot of money quickly if, you know, you, you know, anyway, if things don't, you don't get part of it's luck, part of it's sort of how the messaging and all the other, you know, and just hit like you hit that one client at the right time and it worked so yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've noticed talking to successful mortgage brokers, they all have systems and processes. They don't just show up and hope for the best. And they're also willing to tweak them as time goes by, as the market changes, as course, clients' expectations change. So can you share an example of an administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like and then an adjustment you made in the outcome? Yeah, and this one's actually, you know, it's an ongoing process for me. But I kind of believe in the, the idea that, you know, I'm trying to build a, a mortgage practice, not just sell mortgages. And so, well, there's this ongoing struggle to do annual reviews and be proactive with clients. And so, you know, historically, I've used Excel spreadsheets for keeping track of clients. I've recently gotten involved in a CRM, which, uh, you know, is starting to help me be more proactive with my clients. Mm-hmm. So previously, then it was just sort of random, or whenever you sort of were slow, you would do the the like your annual reviews. And now, so now, now, how does the process look? Well, before I never did annual reviews, so I I keep in contact with uh, a direct mail newsletter with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I was so busy doing the deals and doing everything else that clients and you know just touching base and saying, "Hey, how's it going? What's new? What's changed in your life?" Mm-hmm. was really difficult to do and, and really hard to keep track of. Uh, you know, obviously the CRM uh, you know tells me when their anniversary dates are. You know, it tells me when their birthdays are. So I'll call them on their birthday. And, you know, uh, as an example, I called a guy uh, last week who uh, it was his anniversary and we got chatting and, you know, he told me that he and his wife are unexpectedly expecting their third child. Uh And uh, so he's like, yeah, we're going to have to move to a bigger house down, you know, in the next six to 12 months. So, you know, just from having that conversation, I know there's likely another deal coming. Right. Uh, You know, the the really funny part is that, that 
you know, I was basically the next person they told after they found out they were pregnant. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of, kind right. of cool. Yeah, I know. That's, that's great. That's definitely the power of staying in touch. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, something I have. N- I've never completely dialed in those annual reviews. I, I do an ongoing like a newsletter type thing, but uh, the annual reviews are so powerful. But and everybody talks about them. Everybody says I should do them. Kind of like when I talk to most people, they say I should should have got a CRM sooner. Then they get the yeah. CRM going, and then the next thing they say is I should be doing annual reviews. And most people uh, don't do them consistently, and it seems like a, an area of opportunity and weakness at the same time. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that has to do with how the compensation model is in the broker world, right? You you know, historically, and I think most people still are, you know, hunting for the next deal because that's where the next commission comes from, right? If trailer models are fully embraced or that becomes the main form of compensation in the future, I think, you know, that will ultimately allow brokers the... uh, the time or the flexibility to go back and, and properly service clients. And, you know, having said that, do I do much trailer model business? No, I don't. Why is that? I'm not quite sure. I know it's but, funny when you talk to people, it, it's everybody, again, they say the same thing. Oh, that's a great, I, it's a great idea, but few people in reality actually do it, you know, or not few, but it's not as widespread as, you know, the upfront model at least. Yeah, for sure. And then, so on the sales side, I also know that talking to successful brokers, they have a sales process. They don't just hope for the best. So um, can you share an example of part of your sales process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like and then adjustment you made in the outcome you got? Well, I don't have a sales background. Uh, So, you know, when I meet with clients or when I first started meeting with clients, it really was, you know, here I am. Let's just go through the process. And here's my baby. (laughs) Here's my baby. Yeah. (laughs) We need a college education here folks uh, yeah i don't know so, pressure yeah. but you see this little guy he doesn't have any food <laughs> so you know over time i've become much more refined you know i have a sales script or questions to focus on you know i really do focus or try to focus on the bigger picture of their finances mm-hmm. and not just you know hey this is a you know five-year fix that x interest rate right so, right uh, and I've got a, I'm a member of a BNI chapter, so I have a, uh, a pretty good circle of people I can refer clients to for other things, you know, ranging from car repair to real estate lawyers to, you know, you name it, right? So I think having those sorts of resources works as a value add for clients. And I, I quite often have clients contacting me saying, hey, you know someone who can help me with whatever it is they look, they're looking for for help. Right. And so how do you, but what about your books? How have you applied the, because I have a book as well. And I'm curious how you use the book in your sales process or in the marketing of your business, because it's definitely a differentiator. There's not, there's, you know, a small handful of people who have books. Yeah. So how are you, how are you using it? Well, I'm not using it to generate revenue, that's for sure. I've sold exactly four copies, so I don't think uh, the 80 bucks I've made on that has even covered the postage <laughs> for, the last, for the last few months of uh, sending the book out. I essentially use the book as a 160-page business card, and so I give it away to clients, to real estate agents. You know, you can download a free copy of it off my website. You know, I suppose I should contact a few publishers and say, hey, do you want to, you know, 
have a look at this and you know see if there's any interest at all. But let's face it, a mortgage book is not going to be the next Harry Potter, right? No, so you're not John Grisham, uh, you know. The <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm in no danger of getting rich off the book from direct sales. I think clients are surprised when I show up or they show up uh, with the book or they get it in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, you know, it does separate me from the rest of uh, the pack. And it, that was one of the reasons why I wrote it, right, was to, you know, set myself up as a credible authority. And, you know, author is part of the word authority, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think books are very much valued in our culture still. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if people even don't read people, them. Even absolutely. if they don't read them, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just the way I've written the book, uh, I don't expect people to read it from cover to cover. So every chapter is basically a different scenario. So there's fictional characters. So, you know, chapter one is your first time home buyers, And, you know, the two, the young couple figuring out the process or going through the process. Chapter two is a little bit older couple who's moving up. So, you know, really a client only needs to read the chapter that's relevant to them. And if they happen to read the rest of it, great. Mm-hmm. Right, so you can just pick and choose it. And so wh- what part in the process? So a new customer calls you and says, hey, I've heard about you or a friend told me to call you. Uh, when yeah. do, do you then, do you meet, give them a copy when you meet them? Do you mail them a copy? Like what's it look like? Yeah, uh, I do both of the above. You know, my personal preference is to actually meet clients face-to-face. I think it builds a stronger relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think your odds of getting referrals increases if you're face-to-face. Now, I'm in a mastermind group, and some of the guys in the group who do way more volume than I do, they simply don't have the time to meet with clients. So they do stuff over the phone, etc. But I'm mm-hmm. still at the stage where, you know, I can meet people. I like to meet people. So in that situation, I'll give them a copy of the book. I mean, certainly there's clients where I don't meet them and I, I'll mail them a copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, with mine, I, actually, I don't do the mail thing. I, I typically, I'll, when I meet with someone, I'll give them a copy and sign it and, and then uh, tell them, I'll put their name in it. So if I see them selling it online for really cheap, I'll give them a hard time. And um, <laughs> they usually get a chuckle out of that. And then I, I typically, though, will... Um, I don't mail out books to customers, like, you know, to my clients that are not uh, local. But when I went to your website and I was kind of scoping you out and I saw that you had the book for download, I'm like, hey, I should do that with my book. So I'm in, in just working on getting mine available for download as well, because I think it's a great, uh, a great idea to, and do you find you get more people will download the book first or like, do you have, is there a way for you to track the feedback or the numbers or anything that you're getting from, from the, the, the online version of the book? Yeah. To be honest with you, I just redid, or I had someone just redo my, uh, website to make sure that was a responsive website. In other mm-hmm. words, it's uh, mobile friendly. Yeah. Uh, so the digitized version of the book has only been up on the website for a couple of weeks and. And uh, in terms of the tracking numbers, it's supposed to be notifying me when uh, someone downloads. That isn't working for me, although my website person says that she can see the changes on her end. Mm -hmm. So I just haven't touched base to see, you know, what the number is. Right. Yeah, I downloaded it so just a little while ago, so maybe it'll it'll get a notification. Mortgage broker, get a mortgage broker alert. Mortgage broker alert, downloading your book. <laughs> <laughs> this book will self-destruct. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if anyone's got the uh, uh, time and energy to write a book, uh, they certainly should. You know, it, 
it was a year and a half long process for me, which included a six month period where I was halfway through the book and said, forget it. I'm not going to do this, right? Because I was too busy writing mortgage business. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, I'm bad for working on projects and getting them most of the way there and then not pushing, you know, the final 20% to, to get it done. And that was very much the case with this book. And, uh, you know, I have an accountability coach who sort of kept my uh, feet to the fire and I, mm-hmm. I eventually got it done and, you know, got it out. I came out in May of 2014. And then I, you know, it's kind of funny. It was sitting at the printers when CMHC announced their, their changes to uh, the self-employed rules. And I was like, crap, what am I going to do? Do I pull it back and rewrite the chapter or just keep on going. So, you know, I decided to say, forget it. We're doing the first version as is. And then early this year, I uh, did a second edition, which corrects the self-employed chapter to reflect, you know, the end of stated income for CMHC. Right. That's good. Yeah. It definitely, that's one of the challenges about writing any book with sort of industry or that type of technical knowledge. And it is, it changes so much that, you know, that it gets out of date so fast, you can't stay up on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's very much a living document. And when I do a print run of books, like physical books, I do a small batch of 750. And then that way, you know, if I end up with a box of books that are out of date, so be it, right? It's not like I've invested, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars into, you know, a bunch of books that are now essentially, you know, good for starting fires. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the other things, too, that was since we're on the topic that I found helpful is I'll actually give people two copies of the book. So if I have a good meeting with them, I'll sign one and give it to them and I'll give them another copy and say, hey, if you have any friends or coworkers that, and I've actually got deals from people handing out my book before I even did the deal that the first person I met. So the first person I met, their mortgage hasn't gone through. They went to work, handed my book out. The next person calls me and I now have like two you know, two opportunities. So something to think yeah. about if, if you have, That's because they're not, they're very inexpensive really at the end of the day compared to most forms of marketing. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind, Scott. No, no, go for it. That's why, <laughs> That's why I, I shared it with you. Yeah, because I've only been giving out one copy typically, right? And you're right. I think my cost per book is around six or $7 mm-hmm. all in, right? And, and so the actual print cost is about $5. And if I factor in, you know, the cost of the editor and the cost of the graphic designer, et cetera, that, you know, that kicks it up another couple of bucks. But Well, we know, should, we can chat about that off air too. Sorry, I didn't mean to make this yeah. all about books, but we'll, because I have some sure. ideas on how you can get your, get them even cheaper because, uh, but we'll talk. So I want, okay. I want to switch to diversifying your income. So I know talking to brokers that there, there seems to be two camps. One says, yes, you should, you know, look at diversifying. Another camp says, no, just be a mortgage broker. Where, where do you fall in there? And if you are looking yeah. at diversifying, what do you, what are you focusing on? Yeah. So for seven years, I was of the opinion that, you know, you should only be a mortgage broker and, and be the best damn mortgage broker you can be. As soon as we're done this call, I'm off to meet with a, a, a an insurance company to sign up because I just passed my licensing exam for life insurance. And I did that for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, you know, if we have to offer clients life insurance, we may as well offer them, you know, full term kind of coverage. Uh, so there's, you know, additional revenue per client. The other reason behind it is, you know, it's another fence that you're building around your client in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, improving retention and improving um, referral opportunities, etc. So I'm, uh, I am now of the diversification of income. Is good. Group. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions so you can answer these with shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Oh, 
stick to itness, you know, just getting up and, and treating this as a uh, a practice, not just a, a job. So if you're, you know, if you're going to do this for the next 25 years, treat it like it's something you're going to do for the next 25 years. Mm-hmm. And what one thing or habit has made you successful? Uh, uh, I don't know. That, that's still a work in progress. I mean, is there one thing? I don't know. Working hard at it, marketing to people, um, you know, just trying to do what's right for clients all the time. And um, do you have an do you have an internet resource or software program used to make your business more successful? You mentioned CRM, but do you have what, what CRM was it? So I've recently, so in the last few months, I signed up with Tenada. Uh, so they're out of uh, Ontario, and it's a CRM specifically for mortgage brokers. Uh-huh. Um, it's a big CRM, like a big program. So you know. It, it, it's a process in terms of learning it and getting everything running on it. Uh, so I'm still very much in the process of that. And then the other thing that I've just uh, tweaked onto in the last couple of weeks is Robert Klein's uh, Hippo Contact, mm-hmm. which is a uh, basically a digital newsletter. So I'm going to uh, give that a go and see how it goes. Cool. And um, so I'm, where do you think your industry is headed? Where's the opportunity? I think there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, in terms of grabbing market share, I'm, you know, there's 70% of market share left to go get, right? So there's no reason why we can't grow uh, market share. I think from the broker industry or the brokerage perspective, I think we'll probably see some consolidation mm-hmm. or further consolidation. And, and, you know, boutique standalone brokerage is going to become, you know, much more rare, I suspect. Yeah, I kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, you know, certainly uh, compression of commissions is likely to be an issue in the future. So, you know, that's another argument for diversifying your income and getting the insurance license. Mm-hmm. So this is the last question, one of my favorites, um, the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. And so if you could get in the DeLorean, the car that travels in time, and I could whip you back to nine years ago when your wife, you know, or I guess it was more than nine years ago when she said, hey, you're done with the journalism. But if you could go back to your first day as a mortgage broker and give yourself some advice, what three things would you tell yourself? Oh, uh, well, I guess the big one is when you're first starting out and you have no clients, ironically, you have a bit of an advantage over busy brokers because you've got all day long to market. So, you know, focus in on the marketing. Uh, that'll eventually lead to business. You just have to stick with it long enough and, you know, be prepared to change up uh, whatever marketing efforts that are not working. Just cut it off quick and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So that's two things. So uh, start marketing. Second thing would be be prepared to make adjustments to the marketing. What will be another? Is there anything else you'd tell yourself? Um, Buy Apple stock. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Or Google or whatever. Yeah. You'd yeah. be like, listen, dude, here's what you're going to do. You're going to refinance your house, buy Apple stock, and we're, you know, we're going to be set. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. No, I would say, you know, do the CRM uh, mm-hmm. immediately and get the license insurance sooner mm-hmm. and maybe seriously look at the, the trailer model compensation. It, you know, I think done even in a small amount over enough years, it's probably pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, Jason, I really appreciate your time today. Where can people find you online? So my website is edmontonmortgagebroker.com. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of Twitter, but if uh, you want to find me on Twitter, it's at MortgageJason. And are you hiring at all? I am, but I'm looking for um, an assistant in terms of you know handling some of the marketing and administrative work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And if anybody's listening, they can check out the show notes, links to, to Jason, to his book uh, at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And Jason, I hope you absolutely crush the rest of your year. Thanks a lot, Scott. It was a pleasure chatting. 
Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.